0: River Basin and beyond DamascusCitizens.org This is Rosie Star for Radio Catskill. Welcome to Farm and Country locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show, Courtney Crum and Allison Billard from the National Future Farmers of America share their knowledge and enthusiasm about their projects based on agricultural life. I spoke with them at the Wayne County Ag Day in Honesdale, Pennsylvania earlier this year. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country. But first, news headlines from NPR. Live from NPR
1: News in Washington, I'm Louise Schiavone. President Biden is assuring Arab leaders that the United States will continue to stand by allies in their region. He spoke at an Arab summit in the Saudi port city of Jeddah.
2: Let me state clearly that the United States is going to remain an active, engaged partner in the Middle East. As the world grows more competitive and the challenges we face more complex, it is only becoming clear to me that how closely interwoven America's interests are with the successes of the Middle East. We will not walk away and leave a vacuum to be filled by China, Russia, or Iran.
1: With grain supplies choked by the war in, in Ukraine and agriculture in general depleted by extreme climate conditions, President Biden said the U.S. is participating in a global pledge of billions of dollars to assure food security in the region with more than a billion coming from the United States. Russia has stepped up attacks on Ukrainian cities, killing at least 34 people and wounding scores of others in the last three days. NPR's Elner Beardsley reports Ukrainians say Russia is committing acts of terrorism.
2: Ukraine. Ukraine.
1: I speak to you as so sirens go then, off across the, the country, said Zelensky in his nightly address. The invaders realize we are gradually becoming stronger, he said, and the goal of their terror is to inflict damage and intimidate us. Overnight Friday, several people were killed when Russian missiles hit the central city of Dnipro. On Thursday, cruise missiles launched from a Russian submarine in the Black Sea hit an office building in Vinitsa, a city of 370,000 people southwest of Kyiv. At least 23 people lost their lives. The Kremlin said it had disrupted a meeting between Ukrainian officials and Western arms dealers and made no mention of casualties. The attacks are the latest in a series of Russian strikes on crowded buildings in cities far from the front. Eleanor Beardsley, NPR News, Kiev. Americans in mental health crisis now have a unique hotline. The number is 998 and it is now in operation. But as NPR's Ritu Chatterjee reports, some states say they're not ready.
0: 988 replaces the 10-digit suicide prevention lifeline and aims to help people in all kinds of mental health emergencies. Speaking at a recent press briefing, U.S. Health Secretary Javier Becerra said that his agency has invested more than $400 million to support 988 infrastructure and crisis services. If you are willing to turn to someone in your moment of crisis, 988 will be there. 988 won't be a busy signal and 988 won't put you on hold. But less than half of the officials surveyed across the country said their agency had been involved in planning for the transition. Only 16% said their agency had budgeted for 988. Ritu Chatterjee, NPR News.
1: This is NPR.
0: This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farming Country. Coming up on today's show, Courtney Crum and Alison Billard from the National Future Farmers of America share their knowledge and enthusiasm about their projects based on agricultural life. I spoke with them at the Wayne County Ag Day in Honesdale, Pennsylvania earlier this year. Thank you for joining us on Radio Catskill for this week's locally produced Farm and Country. WJFF Radio Catskill and Farm and Country. This is Rosie Starr in Honesdale at the Wayne Agriculture Day in May. And I've come across a booth, uh, Pennsylvania Future Farmers Association. I have two young women that I would like to speak with. So who would like to go first? Tell me your name. I'm Courtney Crom. Hi Courtney. Um, tell us a little bit about future farmers of
3: America? Well, we're an organization our name changed recently it's actually National FFA Association to pretty much include more than just the farming part of agriculture like we want to get more involved in the community and like agribusiness and agri science more than just farms and gardens which is pretty much what people think of most when they think of our organization so, I don't know, we're a really good organization and We do a bunch of projects. We have a bunch of classes and stuff, but a lot of students, like me, for example, I don't have much room in my schedule for agriculture classes. I took one last year. It got me into the community and into the organization, but I don't have as much room in my schedule. So I do what's called an SAE, which is a supervised agriculture experience. So pretty much you go out on your own. You create a project or like something you want to do, something you want to change. Anything that interests you in the agriculture community. So for me, this year I'm planning to raise a feeder calf to show at the fair because I've always wanted to do that and FFA is kind of just like forcing me to try new things and forcing me into that kind of stuff. And then so last year I did an AET which was in the classroom. It's pretty much an SAE, but like a little not as like big. But it created into an SAE. So I made my own leather products, which was a really cool experience. It got me into agri-science. And it helped show me like that there's more than just farming. So I'll be selling that at like farmer's markets and stuff like that. And last year, I had another SAE where I researched horse obesity. So I had a horse. I did a bunch of experiments. I worked her a lot. And pretty much I just learned a lot about horse obesity and, like, the causes of it and how to treat it. And it was just a huge research project, and it was really interesting.
0: Everything you're doing sounds very interesting and impressive. you mentioning titles, SAE, and things like feeder calf. Tell us what all of that is.
3: Well, an SAE is, like I said, a supervised agriculture experience. It's pretty much a thing where, like, we have a website and you have your project and you write a bunch of stuff about your projects kind of explaining it. And then when you're working on your project, you log your hours. And it's pretty much just like your own kind of project that you work on outside of school. And it's related to FFA. And you can get grants through FFA for it, which is a bunch of funding to help you through it. Like, last year I got a grant for $350. But you could also take it to, like, the national conventions and the state conventions and compete against other people and their SAEs and their projects and win prizes and stuff like that and win, like, titles. And a feeder calf is a calf only a few months old and you raise it, you halt or train it, you wean it off, which is when the calf no longer needs milk from the mother. It'll eat, like, grain and hay and stuff like that and you can bring it to the fair and you will show it in like the feeder calf group so it's pretty much just a young calf that's starting to grow into a bull or a steer okay now you also mentioned a project about a
0: horse explain a little bit more what that project is what's wrong with the horse
3: well i have a horse and she is obese she's overweight she has a lot of fat on her and it's starting to affect her back and her legs. So last year, I wanted to do a research project on how to cut weight down, how to feed her, like the correct nutrition for an overweight horse, and how to get her into better health. So I did a lot of research on that, how to train her, how to work her, how to feed her, and pretty much, it took a couple months, but I got a lot of the weight off of her, and it was just a really good learning experience. How do you think the horse got obese? She was my horse when I was seven, but my parents sold her to another lady who didn't really ride her very much. She kind of just like sat in the pasture. She just didn't have the time for her. And over time, she just kept eating and eating and not getting the exercise that she needed to be in shape. So after time that just accumulated and pretty much she just became overweight. And it's not the healthiest thing ever. How is she doing now? She's doing a lot better. I haven't gotten all the weight off of her, but she's made a big improvement and she's learned more respect for people. And it wasn't just like getting the weight off of her and putting her in a good health. It was also she lost respect for people and she pretty much just like lost all of the learning About like riding and how to ride, and a lot of the groundwork that she needed, she kind of just like lost that in the mix of sitting.
0: You sound very sensitive knowing that the horse lost respect for people. How did you know that?
3: Well, usually, when you learn, like when you see that a horse has lost respect for people, pretty much she will buck or crow hop, and like when you try to ride her, and if you're trying to walk with her. She won't walk. She stands still. She's very stubborn. So I needed to work with her more and pretty much break those bad habits of disrespect.
0: Well, it's very impressive what you've learned. What's on tap for the future for you?
3: Well, this year I will begin by showing feeder calves at the fair. And then that will kind of evolve into showing a steer at the fair the next year. And pretty much I'm just like working my way more into the agriculture community because I want to go to college to be a large animal vet. So I've been trying to get as much experience with those larger animals like cattle and horses and sheep and goats and stuff like that. And I'm just going to try to start doing more projects and be involved more to get more of that experience I need for my future. Do you really feel it's a calling for you to be a veterinarian? I really do. I've Pretty much it's been my dream my whole life. I used to watch videos on it and I was always just like so absorbed into the whole vet community. I work at a small animal vet right now and I absolutely love it but I want to be a large animal vet because I want to work outside more. I want to work with larger animals. I just feel more comfortable with the larger animals and I don't know it's just always been a career choice for me. You seem to have so much insight. How old are you? What is your age? I'm 16. I'm currently a sophomore. Okay, and and you live in this community in Wayne County? Uh, yeah, I've lived here in Honesdale my whole life. Mm-hmm. Are you part of a farming community? For the most part, yes. I grew up around horses like all my life. My grandma has always raised horses. I got my own horse, and it's kind of just like always been my thing. My grandparents used to be dairy farmers. My mom was too. She grew up on a farm. I still live on that farm, but we don't really have as many cattle now. My grandpa, my other grandpa used to run a beef farm, so I was always up there during the summers. So, yeah, farming has always been a part of my life, the whole agriculture community.
0: I see the pride in your face. It's so nice when you speak about your family heritage. I'm aware that some horse farms are for the community to care for people. Do you know about those horses healing? Mm -hmm. Do you know about those?
3: Uh, Yes, actually I do. I once had a pony, and I didn't have as much time for him anymore, and he was getting to the point where he was done with training. Well, not always done with training, but I couldn't go very much farther with him and I wanted to get a new project so I sold him to a therapeutic riding center and he went there and pretty much it's for people who are disabled who have like some mental issues who just like riding a horse and being around those caring animals it helps them so I sold him to a therapeutic riding center he's been doing amazing he loves it there they love him everyone loves him it's just a whole amazing, like, opportunity for him, and I think it's really awesome what they're doing there. So I understand now they're called therapeutic riding centers. Yeah. Um, also, with hospitals, sometimes they'll bring in, like, miniature horses, kind of like they do with dogs for, like, the elderly people or the sick. And it just brings them joy and just, like, a calming sense
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us, and I wish you lots of goodness in your endeavors ahead. And now we're going to speak to your colleague here. Tell us your name. I'm Allison Billard. Hi, Allison. And what is your part in this? Is it Future Farmers of America or association?
2: Um, people call it both, but usually like when we're talking about it as a whole, we call it an association because it's not just one small little part. Like there's agriculture-based base with farming, there's gardening, there's so many different things that you can do. That's not just you have to like ha- live on a farm and have animals to be in FFA.
0: And tell us what your part is.
2: Well, I serve as vice president this year of our chapter in Honesdale. And for my SAE, I breed and raise market meat goats for show or for breeding purposes to other sellers or... For eating purposes. So I show goats every year at the fair. I breed them and then I raise them from when they're born all the way up until August where I show them for market class and showmanship which is basically just I'm showing off myself and how I worked with my animal for all all of these months and getting it prepared to go to slaughter or to another farm for breeding later on. What advice do you have
0: for other young people who would like to enter the world of agriculture?
2: Even if you don't have animals or you don't fully know what you want to like specialize in, just get involved in some way, shape or form. You can do it by like at our Wayne County Fair we have a red metal building where you can do different projects like ceramics, painting, baking. Or if you want you can find someone who does have animals and you can do volunteer work by like cleaning out stalls or talk into your parents or someone to get your own animals and just start working with them if that's an interest that you also have.
0: What kind of challenges do you see young people facing now as they enter agriculture for a career?
2: A lot of local farms and businesses are like slowly degrading and being bought out by bigger corporations. So a lot of the challenges are having to have people buy locally because that helps benefit us and local farmers throughout the community and agriculture is a really big community and it's all over the world, wherever you go but not many people know how to advocate for it or different diseases that are being brought up they don't know how to look out for things that are like sticking out that could either harm or benefit the agriculture industry And I just think people need to be able to speak up more, and that's sort of an issue that people are having.
0: And how about the state of the economy right now? How is that affecting your organization or agriculture in general, as you know?
2: With the state of the economy and inflation happening, everything is getting more expensive, and it's getting more and more expensive to keep up with animals, buying feed, buying equipment, to make sure that these animals are staying happy, healthy, and paying for vet bills so that way they can go out because if farmers can't keep up with the rising prices, there won't be meat, there won't be dairy in the store for people to buy. And not a lot of people realize that us farmers put the meat and the dairy products and everything into the store for everyone to consume and buy. And with prices that have been rising, it's difficult for us to keep everything afloat. Mm -hmm.
0: Do you see a supply chain
2: problem happening with feed and supplies? I see that there's a lot of shortages going on right now. But there's also with certain like local farms and stuff, like a lot of people do their own fees so they're not running out and like whoever they sell to. There's just like a slowdown of production. It's not as like high as it used to be.
0: Okay, is there anything either of you would like to add before we close? Tell us about the Wayne County Fair, it's in August.
2: Every year, it's in August. It's for about a week. It just depends on the year of what days it is. It's a week long. It's from a Saturday to a Saturday. And then at the fair, you have different rides that you can go to. So it's not all agriculture-based. So on the other side of the fair, from where we're at right now, is our red metal building, which has different projects in it, like I explained before. And then like the rides and the booths and and, um, food that you can have. But then on this side of the fair, there's the agricultural part which has all of the barns. So we have sheep, goats, swine, dairy cattle, beef cattle. We have poultry, horses that you can always work with. And it's a lot of fun, and there's so many people here, so you're always meeting new people. You always see a new face. There's always people coming around in the barns and asking us questions. And it's always nice to be able to explain what we do because some people get confused with it, some people aren't really... For it or against it so it's nice to be able to advocate for agriculture in the fair and show people what our culture is really about. What are some of the
0: pros and cons that people present to you?
2: Last year I was in my pig pen it was the day of the sale so it was the last day of the fair so I was upset because I've been raising these animals for months now and I was like now I have to sell them so like it's a little it's a little sensitive topic but This one couple came up, and they were talking to me and asking me about, like, what happens after they get sold. So I had to explain to them how these pigs will, since they were both males, they're unable to breed because we have to castrate them for them to come to the fair, and we're not allowed to bring them to a new home because of swine flus that have been going around, and it's unsafe for the swine at other farms. It's unsafe for humans. Like, we just we have to keep it, like, quarantined, and they have to go straight to slaughter after they've been sold. So the one lady was a vegetarian, and she always had, like, the idea in her head that when they go to the slaughterhouse, they're abused, like, bad things happen. But, like, I was explaining to her how it's a really easy process. Like, nothing is bad. Everything is clean and tidy. So as I was explaining that to her, she felt more, like secure and being able to eat meat and was like I, she said that I like opened up her eyes to like seeing like the bigger picture instead of just the animals are being killed for meat but they're not they're going for a bigger purpose because we need to eat ourselves they served they lived and it's a whole cycle it'll happen again and again but it's they're not being slaughtered in a harmful mean way
0: Well, I have to say, that's a very powerful attribute to have as a human being, to be able to communicate that sensitivity to someone else. I hope you feel a sense of pride in that.
2: Thinking back, like, I grew up around animals. I understand that animals come and go like pets. Like, my animals, I always think of them as a pet because I raise them, I work with them all the time, so they're just a pet to me. But I know... For me to be able to survive, we have to eat. And we need the protein, which come from beef cattle or swine or whatever like you're eating. And not everyone understands that cycle. Not everyone understands and was raised up the way I was. So it's really great to be able to talk to someone about it that doesn't fully understand and be able to tell them what's going on and educate them on more of what they think is happening and tell them misconceptions that isn't actually true and what is true and what they can like help or do themselves. I can tell by the look in your eye though
0: that you have some sensitivity to your animals when it's time to say goodbye. Is it hard for you?
2: I've been doing forage since I was five years old. I grew up on a farm since I was born. I'm the second generation of this farm. I'm the third generation of my father's dairy farm and i have a big soft spot in my heart for animals they will always be a part of me i raise them i love them like and every year i will probably shed a tear whenever i have to sell the animals it's i know it's what i have to do and i know that they're going for something good or to help other people but it's still like they're leaving me so it's like losing another pet
0: can you tell me a little bit about the history of your organization? When did it start? How old is it?
2: I believe it started around 1930s. And at first, it was only for men to be in FFA. And then later on in the years, women were able to become members of FFA. And it's grown throughout all of the United States. Every school that has FFA in it has a chapter. So the Whenever we go to different conferences, we learn about different things. Like this past February, we went down to Harrisburg for a leadership conference. So we learned a bunch of different things. We learned how to write a resume, what to post on social media, what not to post on social media, how to speak in front of people, how to do basically anything you just need to do in adulthood and in life in general.
0: Who gets to join FFA? What is the age group?
2: Anyone can join because with... Four, like at 4-H at the Wayne County Fair, it was just 4-H. But then two years ago, we added FFA into it. And once you are eight years old, you're able to join 4-H and FFA and show through one of those programs. You can keep going up with it by becoming a teacher, becoming an officer. There's different ways that you can keep into it, but usually, like the actual like chapter chapters start in high school or middle school, where like most people get like connected into it.
0: Are you saying that adults? In their 30s can be part of FFA?
2: In a certain way, yes. Like, our teacher, Mrs. Poley, she's still involved with FFA. She was a two-time state officer for Wisconsin when she was growing up in high school and then in college. And then the president of FFA right now, the guy that's in charge, he's an older guy, but he's still involved. He... Is the advisor to the state officers of Pennsylvania and every state has their own state set of state officers and their own advisor and the committee that like goes over anything so if you think of it in a smaller picture like a business there's a CEO so there's always an older person below all of the younger employees so it's just that but a lot bigger because of how big the program is you speak so
0: well about your organization is you must believe in it and believe that it does well for the community.
2: I definitely believe that it does. I joined FFA my freshman year of high school. I'm now a senior and it has changed me in so many different ways from when I ever thought I could be. I've grown as a person individually, I've grown to meet new people and be able to talk to people. Like I definitely would not be able to do this today if it wasn't for FFA and what it's taught me with everything. And the amount of people that I have met, I know that there's always people in my corner that can support me with what I want to do, no matter what it is.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Uh, It was really nice to meet you, and I appreciate everything that you had to say. You speak very eloquently, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For WJFF Radio Catskill and Farm and Country, this is Rosie Starr in Honesdale at the Wayne Agriculture Day. Hope that you enjoyed our show this week with production by a Radio Catskill volunteer. Special thanks goes to our guests, Courtney Crumb and Allison Billard from the National Future Farmers of America. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening to Farm and Country on Radio Catskill, public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Support for Farm and Country comes from Damascus Citizens for Sustainability, a community-supported, science-based nonprofit taking legal actions, providing tools for action, and raising awareness of fracking damage since 2008, proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org. If you hear good music, you're listening to Radio Catskill. Clyde Alvin Yates III sets it off Saturday night at 7. At 9, an hour of Global Sounds on Afropop. Then at 10, Selector Starkey and DJ Chuck spend four hours of funk, hip hop, and more on old school sessions. Saturday night only on Radio Catskill. Let me borrow no, my brother. You, you, you got to buy your own. Buy your, own. Buy your own. For their
3: next primetime public hearing.